Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of Rush. Um, Cranked and Ranked is the is the podcast you're listening to. Uh, I'm, I, I'm That's assu- what we are. Yeah, I'm assuming though, if you're listening to part two, you've heard part one. Because if you're starting at part two, that's weird. Maybe that's yeah. just weird in my Sorting head. Your life out. You know, some people don't don't <laughs> abide by everybody else's rules. But um, mm. I'm one of those people that I'm really weird about, like, you know, there's been times where people have been like, oh, let's go see this movie. It's part two of this movie. I'm like, I didn't see part one. I can't possibly go see part two. It's I'm uh, the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, no, there's no way. I'll have to f- somehow cram it in before we, we go to the part two <laughs> movie. Anyway, um, yes, Cranked and Ranked podcast where we rank, well, we crank things first and then we rank them. Hence the name. Uh, very clever, right? And um, mm. and yes, rush part two of our whose three. idea was that? I, that was Mr. <laughs> Eddie Sparks out of his genius brain. Um, but sec- the second part of our uh, trilogy of rush album ranking episodes. Um, last time, if you were with us, we did the lower third, which was the bottom seven rush albums, and right now we're right smack in the middle. Um, but I mean, we're already in, in in territory of albums that I'm just like, this might as well be a gigantic top ten that happens to have twelve albums in it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something like that. But um, so yeah, we're gonna be doing number twelve down to number seven, the the six right right smack in the middle. Um, and uh, I, I wore I wore this I wore this shirt today. Um, prop hey. my, my propaganda shirt because um, I decided I would I would I wore my Rush T-shirt last time. This time I'm wearing the shirt of my second favorite Canadian band, um, which is Propagandi. So uh, I thought nice. I, I thought I'd give them a little bit of love because you know. That, I I threw on a Faith No More shirt because it was the, it was the top of the pile. I mean that's <laughs> it's a great shirt. Um, Anyway, so yeah, so so uh, uh, I don't know. It's weird. Whenever we do these multiple parts, whenever we have a middle episode, I'm always like, okay, uh, 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 and because <laughs> it's not really like there's no grand beginning or this is the conclusion. It is this is the middle. Uh, welcome to the middle, everybody. Um, what the is middle that, zone. What was that great line from uh, Almost Famous where uh, the kid's talking to... Uh, uh, Lester Bangs and Lester Bangs is all like, you know, you 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 you're the star star of your school, and the kid goes, they hate me, and Lester Bangs goes, <laughs> you'll meet him again on the long journey to the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and I always like that line. A lot of great lines in that nice. movie. Anyway, I'm having a drink out of my cranked and ranked uh, coffee mug. Yes, and now merch in the link merch. you're about to say. D- no, I'm not gonna. No, no, no. <laughs> people, people aren't buying shit, and I'm a little bit mad right now. So I'm not even gonna talk about it anymore. Um, we have merch. This is uh, part two of Rush. Let's just, I say, we just literally just jump right into it. You know, like don't even test test the waters this time. It could be really fucking cold in there. 
but we're just going to jump yeah. in anyway. Um, because, you know, YOLO, as the kids say, they don't, say, they don't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody says that anymore. Um, it's, isn't that weird? Like sayings come and go so quickly that yeah you know there's there was a big thing around yolo and now nobody nobody says oh i say it you know i'm bringing it back my my favorite like it's it's a word that is already a word but it's become something of a slang way to just like pass off anything now that you don't like i am thrilled that the word cringe can just be like said now like just just you can do (laughs) cringe (laughs) <laughs> like, like you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to proceed it with. Oh, that was pretty cringy. You just go cringe, like, and it's just the funniest shit in the world. And I well, like it. It's all. It's all about you know, evolving to where our dialogue will become all one word sentences all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of one word, rush. And so let's uh, let's yes. jump into um, starting at number twelve, going down to number seven. The middle, um, but these are man, these are all fantastic. They're all fantastic albums. If you didn't listen last time, one that's weird. Two, it was a love fest, even in the bottom portion of the ranking. So um, mm-hmm. it's good. That's going to continue. So without further ado, throwing it over to Eddie Sparks for his number twelve Rush album. Cool. So my number twelve Rush album is counterparts all right this was actually in my my bottom third but let's let's jump into it i like this is arguably the heaviest album they did from a guitar chuck for for guitar moments you know um animate is this like badass big guitar driven rocker like from the very end of the 80s hard rock production era like there is still a very roomy reverb sound yeah uh but it does have a lot as well in common with like it 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 doesn't sound grunge but it sounds like a grungy take on what rush do yeah um and as we all know, the eighties weren't completely gone until 93, 94 anyway. So, but, uh, but yeah, are, are they ever really gone? Nah, nah. Yeah. I mean, maybe 95, but we, we don't talk, we don't talk about him. <laughs> so yeah. Then you get stick it out. Like this is tasty. What a tasty song. Super heavy. Um, Cut to the Chase is this groovy rocker. Nobody's Hero is this kind of solemn ballad track that mm-hmm. deals with some like, you know, dark personal subjects. It's kind of a tearjerker of a song. Yeah. Um, Between Sun and Moon, rocking track. Rush doing big, hard rock. You know, I'm all for it. I'm all for them doing, having a core thing that they are, but also pulling from different areas um and to think like i find this transitional period of rush really interesting because it's like you can hear that they're still they didn't completely reject synthesizers when the 90s were coming around yeah. like presto brought the guitars back into the fray a bit more prominently then you had um 
Roll of Bones, obviously, which also still had synthesizers on it, but yeah. was again g- guitar and synth playing off each other. Mm-hmm. But this one's just like we're in the rock zone. Let's fucking go. Um, yeah. It Alien Shore. It's this funky kind of rock vibe. Speed of Love is this vibey hard rock one. Double Agent is really cool. Leave That Thing Alone, instrumental. A sequel to Where's My Thing, perhaps? Because they're both instrumentals and they both have Thing in it. Uh, that's that's true, yeah. And one came after the other, so I, I couldn't help but feel like yeah. they were like, Where's my thing? Leave that thing alone. One, one of those one of those really massive Rush fans that's nerdier about it than me would probably know the answer to that question. Um, I took a few trips to Reddit, and I'm not the only one that noticed it. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Yes. So, uh, where was I? <laughs> Cold Fire um, has one of my favorite chord progressions in it. Very nice, too. Uh, Everyday Glory. Cool closer. I would say, you know, it's a damn good hard rocking record. Mm-hmm. You know, this there's if you like heavy riffs and stuff, they do pop out on this album. And yeah. I think I think it's a really cool record, but I think there's ones they did that feel more cohesive and focused while also being like mind blowingly expansive. Yeah. So as a result, Rush doing something of a stripped back rock take on their sound is interesting. Yeah. And it's yielded some great songs, but they have done, admittedly, even stronger stuff, which is incredible. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it, uh, and it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of bands did that. A lot of bands did that sort of return to rock thing around the same yeah. time. And, um, it's easy to, to say that it's bandwagon jumping because, you know, grunge and more simplified rock sounds uh, got popular. But, but you know, that that I think it's connected to that, but in the way that all of a sudden these bands were touring with some of these bands and seeing these bands live and getting that sort of rejuvenated sort of feeling of like, oh, we used to rock. That would be fun. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that, that it was just that sort of thing where, you know, the 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 idea of just being a rock band and the production value of being able to bring across a heavier sound much better um all came all came together and so mm. you know rush you know you utilized that on counterparts but you know what you make a good point though about them competing with their own shit cuz i think the the thing that is the most frustrating I don't know how they felt as as songwriters and and performers and and the people who created the albums. I'm assuming it's a little bit frustrating, but as a, from a fan perspective, having to organize these, the one that comes in at my number twelve, it's a perfect example of me going, "This album's fucking great." Unfortunately for this album, they did all these other albums that are fucking amazing, and so it's <laughs> like it's just it's one of those unfortunate things, and so. Um, you actually talked about this one on the last episode, but I'll throw in my two cents here. Uh, my number 12 is Caress of Steel from hey. 1975. Now, you made the point that I think everybody makes, which is the 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 track listing, the sequencing is it seems very uneven, especially in this day and age, just listening to it all the way through, and there's no sides. 
because it, yeah. it kind of makes sense sidewise because you you have a couple simple songs and then you build up to a big ass song at the end of side one and then side two is one big ass song yeah and um that's cool because honestly like that i do like that aspect of it but i there is a part of me that thinks that it's a bit uneven because of that, but it's only because the songs that lead up to it, because you start off with a big ass rocker with Bastille Day. Yeah. And then what's it? I think I'm going bald and then Lakeside Park, which both of those kind of bring the, the they're, they're both rocking in their own ways, but they bring, they, it's, it's, it's a weird sort of dip. And then you go back up to this big, to the necromancer kind of thing. And, um, yeah. I kind of thing, <laughs> you know, that long <laughs> epic song kind of thing. Um, but uh, I think the the reason why I ended up putting it this low, because I really enjoy this album and I think it's really cool and pretty underrated really as a Rush album. But I also understand why it wasn't successful, especially mm-hmm. coming from Fly By Night, which for the most part was a was your average three to four minute rock song kind of thing obviously way better written than what they had previously done and better than most rock bands Mm -hmm. at the time but then they followed up with this which is a little bit more to wrap your head around especially if you're just a teenager listening to music in the 70s you know um yeah um also to me it comes across as kind of transitional because i really do feel like with their debut album they were they had their sort of standard rock kind of things they were doing and then fly by night neil peart comes in and everything seems to have got seems to get stronger at that point where they there there's it's like almost like they they improved on what they were already doing and then gave us a little bit of taste of the sort of epic proggy shit that they would end up doing and yeah. then caress of steel is them leaning into that but it's almost like they it's it's like they're pushing boundaries, but if you listen to the big old epic tracks on this album and then you compare them to what they would do later, these are a little bit clunky at times. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it, it is an odd album, but it's a really cool one to me. But, I, but at, the, at the end of the day, it's just competing with other Rush albums where they just continually outdid themselves album after album. And... Um, I think this is a really important album because of because of the transitional nature because I, I think they got way more comfortable because because they needed to have a a, a a fuck it kind of moment to get where they needed yeah. to go and so the record companies are all like no we want you to to turn in a you know eight eight to ten songs you know three to four minutes long rockers and they're like fuck that even if this means that we get dropped from our label have no tour support and the band just goes broke and we can't continue to do this anymore. Fuck it. And so, you know, and, and you know, the ultimate, the ultimate fuck it is one we haven't talked about yet. And that one ends up paying off for them. But this one really did have a fuck it kind of vibe where they just said, here's where we want to go. And let's just see what happens. So I think that aspect yeah. of it, it's like their confidence. They really figured out that they were a lot more about their integrity than they were about making money or holding on to fans that just wanted one thing to be the same all the time. Um, so in that, in that respect, Crest of Steel is a very important album, but like I said, they, 
they blew this album out of the water many times over, in my opinion. And so, <laughs> so it goes, <laughs> it goes at number 12, Caress of Steel. Cool. So my number 11 mm-hmm. is Presto. Yay. Another one from my, from my lower half or lower third. See, th- this is like the, the beginning album of their, another transitional record for them where they had kind of peaked where they could go with the synth stuff so they brought the guitars back a little bit but still kept it the synths there Mm -hmm. the production is very me yeah very very (laughs) late 80s like almost hair metal sounding Mm -hmm. production yeah i love that um i know it's quite a divisive thing but i'm a i'm a huge fan of that yeah um show don't tell like this this does showcase something of a return to some guitar driven rock oriented stuff like despite still being very 80s from a production perspective chain lightning has this like mischievous feel like to it like sounds kind of cheeky cheeky sneaky clean guitar parts um the pass is a beautifully crafted song with the bass guitars and synths all coming together um war paint again has an almost hair metal chorus and i i love that because <laughs> because for a band that here's the thing like their 80s records a lot of bands from the era that rush began in would go in sort of uh if they hadn't broken up they would go into a they would do at least one hair metal album rush never really did that they kind of straddled this line between like um at points i, I found they they sounded like a hard rock version of the police <laughs> at points oh, yeah. in Absolutely. the 80s yeah like like i got that vibe a lot but like to hear them have like a a bit of a balls out kind of fuck yeah hair metal moment i'm all for it um scars is still very rooted in the 80s uh presto feels like a 70s rush song with an 80s coat of paint uh superconductor that riff sounds like if helmet were a 70s boogie rock band <laughs> i love you kind of i love the way you say boogie yeah that's what I call a right fucking boogie. And all the children boogie. <laughs> Alright. Oh, man. Uh, Anagram. Really like the equality of the guitar and the synth on this one. Red Tide. It's got a bit of a brief but pretty ripping solo from Alex Lifeson in that one. It kind of goes a little bit shred mode. I, I, um, I, I've always liked, like, Alex Lifeson is one of my favorite guitar players, and I think it's because he does really cool shit, but he doesn't seem, like, what he does doesn't seem unattainable. There, you know, there are, yeah. rock, there are rock gods where you go, there's no way I'm ever going to fucking play that. I, I figured, like, a lot of what Alex did throughout the career of Rush None of it was, was, I mean, some of it was, was pretty difficult, but for overall, he seemed like a real sort of like every, he's like every man guitar player who happens to have really cool ideas to go on top of these songs. 
And so I would love it when he would do these killer fucking solos where you're just like, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, some shit would come out of him. But he was also really good at doing like the slow burn guitar solo where he'd build the shit up and he'd hit those little tasty notes. I mean, the Mm. dude, the dude, I mean, still is great, a great guitar player. But I just, you know, I feel like he's a little bit underrated because, you know, I think, you know, Getty and Neil get a lot of the the attention. I mean, there's there's even like a great scene in the Beyond the Lighted Stage where Alex and Getty are in like a cafe or something. And somebody comes up to Getty to ask for his autograph and Getty's all like, do you know who this guy is? And they're like, no. Uh, <laughs> like, because like, really, if you think about it, like Getty is a very recognizable person and Alex, yeah, he's just a white dude. <laughs> so, so it's, it's funny. Like I find that like if the, <laughs> there's a lot of situations where I've seen like, if, if the, if the bass player is the front man, the guitarist is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, like <laughs> he's like, damn it. It is funny like, because like I start thinking of other bands like that and I go, wait, okay, yeah. who, who's the guitar player in the police? What's his name? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what his name is. Oh dude. Yeah. It's, it really, it, it do be like that though. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I did, I did <laughs> put in my two cents about Alex cause I love, I love listening to him play. Yeah, he 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 rips, but he only does it when like you're least expecting it's ta- it. It's tastefully done always. It doesn't. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem like he's hogging a spotlight ever. The, it's it's funny actually. I've I've got here some somewhere. I'm sure I made a note of it. There's a song. I'll I'll probably get to it down the line. But there's like one. Alex Lifeson solo where I hear like a, a fucking Kerry King lick in there and I'm like you just play part of a fucking Slayer <laughs> solo but made it make sense like <laughs> yeah oh um yeah where, where was I uh Hand Over Fist pretty bombastic guitars on this one uh Available Light is a very grand sounding track to close out on it's a transitional and underrated album in my opinion yeah but yes yeah awesome yeah so uh my number 11 we're moving back a little bit from that not too far though this was one that battled for position and was higher and then lower and just like last time i got to a point where i was rearranging things so many times that i just had to leave it because it it's it's ridiculous but um, this is a fantastic album. My number 11 is Power Windows from 1985. Mm. Um, it's their 11th album, and um, they're well into 80s Rush, the 80s Rush era yeah. at this point. In fact, like I would say that if anyone came to me and said, what's the best example of the most 80s sounding that Rush ever got, I would probably go for Power Windows because it's... Yeah. The keyboards are, I think, out of every album, I feel like they're the most prominent on this one. I feel like they are insane. I mean, they're they're great, but it's almost like the thing about Power Windows is that, you know, Rush was always experimenting with stuff. At this point, the experimentation is all through synths. And it's not just synthesizers like keys. 
they add sampling. There's like sampling and shit going on. Yeah. Um, and that's a really important thing to point out too, for people that aren't really familiar with Rush and how they worked as a band on stage, because, um, a lot of groups that you'll, you'll, you'll listen to their album and you'll hear guitars, bass, drums, vocals, and then you'll hear keys and these other things. And you'll go, Oh, it's really cool. And then you go see them live and none of that shit is there. Rush, on the <laughs> other hand, they were literally using all of their limbs. Alex and mm. Getty would play keys with their feet. These big ass, you know, things that you would, st- yeah. sometimes it was a pre, you know, a preset kind of thing. Sometimes it's actually playing just long notes of stuff, but while, so Getty would, would have the, his bass microphone, sometimes turn over to a keyboard over here. Sometimes be playing something with his feet while he's playing the bass and while he's singing. And it's, and then of course you have Neil, like we said last time has the shit all around yeah. him and he's bling, bling, blong everywhere. And like, <laughs> so it's just one of those things where like, there, there are occasions where they do have to leave something out of a song, but for the most part, they break their fucking necks <laughs> trying to make sure <laughs> that they can recreate things. And so you get to this point, like Power Windows, where there's the sampling and the keys and all of that shit, and it just becomes like, it's almost like Getty Lee's science experiment trying to <laughs> make everything work <laughs> on stage. And, uh, and then, of course, he brings Alex into it because you see Alex hitting some keys with his feet every once in a while, too. And... um. That's just fascinating to me. But I feel like the the fun of Power Windows is that. The fact that they were embracing technology and like, let's what can we do? What do, what mm. toy can I get and use on this album? Let's get that. And um on top of that, this has got a lot of great songs. Uh, marathons on this fucking album, which is a fantastic oh. song. There's a lot of great songs on this album. Um, it's a really solid album. Now I, I for this album I, I compare it to what we were saying about um about uh hold your fire where I feel like the vibe is kind of samey not with the with the actual songs like there mm. are great songs on this but I feel like it kind of gives you one there's one direct sort of goal they have with this particular album and it plays out through to the end and there's once you've gotten two or three songs in, there's nothing that's like super surprising aside from, you know, if you were listening to this in 1985, possibly the sampling um, and, and some other things, some other choices here and there. So f- for that respect, I ended up putting it at number 11 because I'm like, this is a really great album all the way through. But um, once again, I had to start using my my banger calculations and being like how many times do i go oh you know and <laughs> it, it's less on this than on the ones we're going to get to so um while i while i think this is a great album i feel like this one i think people that like 80s rush love this album but i think overall this is one that just fits right in the middle where some people just go they lost me after whatever album Hmm. And, um, you know, I feel like Power Windows is a, is a big, is in that area, the no man's land for some people where it's like, <laughs> no, we, you, you don't, we don't go there. Um, but it's great. It's a great album. And uh, that's why it, it makes it here at number 11. Power Windows. Remember that? Remember nice. that? It's so weird. Like that's a, that's a phrase that d- doesn't really mean anything anymore because all cars have Power Windows now. <laughs> whereas back i mean back when you know i was young you had to fucking roll the window up or down and uh 
And and you you just unlock now you just unlock the fucking car from your keychain and you just push a button to start the car and yeah you're in the future. Um, but how even even I even I born in 1998 remember roll down windows, at least in the back. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the yeah. and, I, and you know what? And car, cars back then that was the that was the test the test of a of a relationship too. I think it was. I think they talked about it as a movie. It's a De Niro movie, but I can't remember what, which one it is, where the the kids taking a girl out on a date and they're like, "Look, you bring her to the car. You unlock her door, open her door, and let her in and close the door. If she doesn't reach over and unlock your door, then she's not worth your time." So it's <laughs> and I, I I went with that when I was younger. I was all like, "Yeah, I unlock her door, open it for her." close it after she's in her seat. She should lean over and unlock because you used to have to pull the fucking thing. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's how, that's how you know if somebody's worth a damn, if they think to do that <laughs> after you, uh, after you open their door for them. Anyway, that's like old school car talk, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> never going to be a thing anymore. I don't know how you judge uh, a person that you're dating. I'm sorry, kids. Um, you're just going to have to, um, Swipe right every time. Cast a wide net. <laughs> it's like if you go out with this girl and ask her what her favorite meme is. And if it's not a funny meme, then she's not worth your time. <sighs> Fussy men get fuck all. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, anyway, all right. That was Power Windows. We're on to number 10. We're now in the top 10. The 10 zone. Cool. And with this being the top 10 uh-huh. of... A almost twenty album discography. Mm-hmm. We have we've entered uh, the no wrong answers zone. Really, like there's no wrong answers with Rush. Really, but like I'm I'm, I'm gonna go on record. The, o- the only wrong answer is if you totally write off their '80s material. That's the only wrong answer. Yeah. Other than that, mm-hmm. you know, to each their own. Hell yeah. So, my number 10 is Farewell to Kings. Okay, wow. What, number 10 is Farewell to Kings. I know. Like, okay. like, but when I look at the ones above it, I'm like, I, it does make sense to it, me. No, it is. It, I, I understand. I mean, we, you've already, I, I already know, because because this is here, I already know there's 80s rush that's getting love from you. The fact that Farewell is at number 10. <laughs> so, I'm cool with this. But yeah, like, that being said... Its placement doesn't do its quality justice because, like, a farewell to Kings, mm-hmm. quite a nice intro builds into that easily identifiable Rush sound that they continue to develop. Yeah, Xanadu is oh. a oh yeah yeah. Straight there up. is nothing. Like, there is nothing. That's like that is like. There's few. There's there's there. You know there are moments in songs where something kicks in, and I'm just like, God damn it! And that's what does. Once that once that part kicks in, I'm just like, holy shit, man! It's one of my <laughs> one of my favorite Rush songs, which makes it even more impressive that the the meat of that song was done in one take. Yeah, how fucking insane is it that that what is it eleven minutes, a ten or eleven minute song, like the at least the bass, drums, guitar, and, and fucking it was all done in one take one take 
Like, how well rehearsed do you have to be to get a full 10-minute song right in one take? Like, yeah, that's, in, I mean, that's incredible. At this point, those those guys were at the top of their game. And, yeah. um, I mean, really, like, this is also, you know, this is the one following 2112. Yeah. And so, there's you know, they, they, have, they have to have that fuck yeah momentum going on. You know, of like, of like, we're not worried about, we now, we now connected with people and the record company is happy with us now. So, you know, it's got, it's got to be a good feeling and it's got to help you be super creative, I would say. Definitely. Closer to the heart. I can hear, I can hear, I can hear a little bit of Queen in that song. Yeah. Like I I get a bit, a little bit of a Queen vibe. Cinderella Man, acoustic led ballad prog rocker. Madrigal is a mystical song with a with a cute little synth in there. Love that. <laughs> uh, and then like S- Cygnus X One, Book One, The Voyage. Yeah. There's, wow. Like just simply put, fucking wow. Is there is there craft. is there is, like in the Rush book of cool moments. In the top ten has got to be Getty's like screaming at the end of that song. It is fantastic yeah. every time. Yeah, like my main critique of Farewell the Kings is from a production perspective. I I find the production, at least from what I heard, it was pretty treble heavy. So that is probably why sonically, to me, I put albums above it from like a simple what do my ears like perspective yeah but there is absolutely no taking away the the absolute as you said top of their game musicianship on this fucking album because my god yeah dude (laughs) holy shit i wouldn't even know where to begin you know making something like xanadu like i can write pretty kick-ass 80s hard rock but like some of this stuff is like, are we sure they're like human? Like, did they, did they, did like a, a, some sort of like shuttle fucking crash land in Canada and they just shape shifted into three dudes? That's a, you know what? That's a, that's a conspiracy theory or something that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on board with. They, uh, Fun fact N- Neil Peart is an octopus. Neil, he just Neil, moves that Neil fucking Peart. fast. Neil Peart. Neil Peart, sorry. Not I, gonna... I, I, Fumbled my fumbled my my words there. <laughs> I'm one of those people that's so annoying when it comes to that. Like anytime I see hear somebody say that, even if it's like on a video, I feel like I want to comment and be like, "It's not pronounced <laughs> that way." <laughs> no, <laughs> just like reach through the fucking screen and you just see your arm on the other side come out like that. I'm like, but yeah, like, like Pert is an antiperspirant. It's not. It's not a name anyway. I mean, he'd smell good. That's, you know, <laughs> that's true. Maybe he did use pert. Wouldn't that be awesome if, like, Neil Peart used pert and it was like a little joke Peart's to himself? Because, like, everyone calls me pert, <laughs> and I'm going to use this uh, pert. This is the this is the, not funny at all. So I don't <laughs> smell like a furt. <laughs> that was absolutely not funny at all. I apologize for that. Usually, I'm slightly funnier. Not quite, but you know. I mean, they, 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 they can't all be zingers. <laughs> in, our, in our case, usually they're not. <laughs> um, 
Uh, are you done, are you done with yeah. that with Farewell to Kings? Great album. I, what, hell what, yeah. What can I say? Yeah. What it's, can I say? Huh? It's fantastic. Forget album. about it. <laughs> um, so for my number 10, I'm going to move a few albums back from you. Um, I really love this album. So now we're in the top 10. We're at the point where like these are all... It's hard to find things that I don't like about these albums that, that could even explain mm. my ranking. Uh, my number 10 is Fly By Night from 1975. Uh, second Rush album, first album with Neil Peart. And um, I'm going to have to make an apology. Video ah, for that no, no, too. you're fine. You're fine. You're <laughs> fine. I, years ago, I called him Neil, Neil Peart because I heard everybody else saying it that way. And so, like, you know, it, it was luck. It was it was just lucky enough for me to stumble across a video where Getty actually breaks it down to like how we ah. that, that's where he says, like, it's like ear. But then a P and a T on the other on either end of it, so it's Peart, ah. and I'm like, thank you, Getty, for finally clearing that up because I don't think that <laughs> Neil didn't seem like the kind of dude that would ever correct people, so you know, <laughs> he probably he just let them like whatever you call me, part pert, whatever, <laughs> you know, just don't call me late for dinner, you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, fly by night, like this, like. Listening to this after the first Rush album. So the first Rush album ends on a high because you have Working Man. But yeah, the first 30 seconds of Anthem, you're just like, they almost feel like a different band. Like, they, yeah. they it's, like, it's, yeah. like, <laughs> it's like everything finally came together and they became the band they were supposed to be. And... Um, and it's and it's interesting because I'm pretty sure that Anthem was something that they had already had written prior to Neil joining... And so the fact that it's that they were already their brains were already in, you know, going a little more progressive and interesting and complicated. And um, that song fucking it. That's an absolute rush classic. Um, Now, Fly By Night does have it still holds on to some of that 70s rock vibe. But Mm -hmm. now the songs are like incredibly well written and they all have much better lyrics. Thanks to Neil. Um, there's a couple that I think are still Getty lyrics on there as well, but they're they're all they're all really strong songs. And um, this album, its strength is the strength that I say about a lot of second albums from bands that it still maintains some of that rawness of them being a pretty young band, you know, respectively. Yep. But also the confidence of like we've we, we're we're well we're on our journey already. And um, so many second albums have this great vibe and fly by night has that sort of confident vibe. And um, the big thing for me on this album is obviously uh, by tour and the snow dog, which is the first time that they did like a longer proggy kind of song. And I love this song. It's one of my favorite rush songs. And it's also one of my favorites to see them play live because they always seem to have so much fun playing this song. And, yeah. and it's a really good example of what I was saying where you see them joking around with each other. This is a song where that always happens. And it's usually in that middle section where there's no vocals and they're usually like chasing each other around the stage or something like that. Um, yeah. But anyway, I just think that's a fucking great song. And it's, and it's a huge step forward for Rush. Major, yeah. Yeah. So here's the here's the thing with this album right now that I'll say that some people that 
aren't really that into this album, I, I almost feel like this is why. The first half of the album is just killer rock shit ending with this big epic thing. Second half mm-hmm. of the album is almost entirely acoustic. Yeah. So, and even though you have Fly By Night, great song, um, it's it's interesting because it's the same sort of thing where when you're listening to this on vinyl, it somehow makes a lot more sense because Bytor yeah. ends the first side, you flip it over, then you get this mellow vibe, but then... When you get to, in the end, the song starts off acoustically, but then the electric guitars kick in, and it almost makes absolute sense. Like, oh, they they gave you this other little vibe, at times really mellow, and then Mm -hmm. in the end, it doesn't get like fully crazy rocky kind of shit, but it gets louder again, and for some reason, it makes it feel like a complete journey. Like, it makes more sense than the sequencing for Caress of Steel to me. But I could see why yeah. some people would be like, well, it's front loaded. But I'm like, well, it 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 would it would it would seem front loaded to me if there wasn't such a, a divide between acoustic and electric right there. So yeah. I think it was on purpose. I'm, uh, once again, big rush fans could probably confirm that it was on purpose, um, that it was sequenced that way. Um but overall, like it's like that's the only thing I could see that could be a fault of this album because every song is really good. And I, and honestly, I do like that. I like, I wish more bands would take chances with albums and do things like this, this song, it lasts an entire side or this half of the album is this vibe. And this other half is this vibe because, you know, sometimes an album really benefits from a variety of songs that play out throughout the album. But sometimes it's really nice to hear something where you get two distinct sides of a band and um <clears throat> i like that fly by night does that uh but once again they're competing with their own badass shit so fly by night goes here at number 10 cool which you know is an almost match up because my number nine is fly by night so nice. i'm gonna hop straight off of what you were saying uh anthem you know, already ups the cerebral edge to Rush's sound ever so slightly. You know, you can hear a bit more prog seeping in, even though it still has that 70s rock straight up kind of feel to it. Yep. Best I can, you know, this song, however, still shows off that straight up hard rock yeah. route that they still have here. Uh, beneath, between, and behind. That's great. Uh, you know, it's back in the proggy zone. And then, like, I I got to do a full breakdown of By Tour and the Snow Dog. Hell like, yeah. At, at almost, like, nine minutes, I have plenty to say about this. Like, Rush had an ear for big old compositions, like, early on. And they have the talent to back it up. And those big distorted bass barks are clever. Like, I, I'm pretty sure they're done with the bass, right? In the middle with, of the like, song? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty like, sure. With, I'm pretty sure it's bass probably with some sort of like fuzz wah like kind of cliff burton kind of yeah thing um even if they you know at, at the start you're like the fuck is that and it's like oh they're making like a like a, a dog sound with the with the bass that's really cool um and you you can't ignore how massive the jump in technicality is from the debut to this fucking yeah, like yeah. right 
right away. Like Neil Peart was a Peart. Peart. I quote myself. <laughs> five, five second rule. Five second rule. Yeah. Um, yeah. Peart was a beast, man. Like I'm also inclined to think that you know the swelly bit in the second half of the song had to have influenced Cliff Burton when he made the intro to Damage Inc. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he, I'm pretty sure that Cliff Burton was a Rush fan. I, well, I think all of, I think all of them were. So, um, mm. and so it, it, it would make sense because he, that was the thing, is that Cliff was a guy that, as as much as people like to paint him as this guy who was just metal, he he wasn't. He was into he was, he was into he was, punk. He was into southern rock. He was into prog. Like he loved all of these different. He was into fucking ra- radio songs. You know, he's, yeah. We, so, and it's funny because, like, it, in like old photos, I know we're talking about Metallica on a Rush podcast, but like, any time is it, a good time to talk about Metallica. Okay, it's a good tangent. Here's because, a here's, like, here's it, a connection though. They are but they were both managed by the same management company, Rush and Metallica. Bam, there you go. And like the oh, man, you look at like old old promo shots of Metallica from like really early on, where. Everybody, everybody has the leather jacket and the denim and this and the and the skin tight denim jeans, right? Yeah. Whereas you've got fucking uh, Cliff rocking the Canadian tuxedo <laughs> with the flares, you know? Yeah. And it's like you know, for those who don't know, the Canadian tuxedo is is double denim, baby. Jeans and jean jacket, but uh, yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, Cliff Burton is this icon of metal, but he probably knew more music than any of the band members at that time. Yeah. You know? But he was, he, he yeah. was also more, he seemed more open to, to other things yeah. than, than the other dudes probably were. So. Yeah. But, you know, it is, um, it, it is what it is. Every, play, we can't play any slower um then <laughs> speaking of that speaking of that i'll uh oh you got it i'll bring this i you can't see it on the podcast side of things but it's my cliff burton action figure that's fucking um, sick yeah yeah it's fucking great um i, I just I, I just have it uh hanging over hey hanging by my desk and uh cliff always kind of looking over me but uh but that's yeah awesome, but man. yeah he's he, he has been painted as like this this icon of like uncompromising metal which i'm just we talked about this on the Metallica ranking where yeah. I said, look, if you know a lot about Metallica and Cliff Burton, you probably know that he probably would have been the one to to push them towards being more uh, direct and to the point and making shorter songs and slower songs. Um, but mm. that's not cool to think that way because he's and plus he's not here to tell us that we're right or wrong. So everybody make your own assumptions. It's fine. But um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I guarantee you cool. he was a fan of Rush and probably that particular moment you're talking about. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, that that takes me to side two with, you know, obviously the title title track, yeah. Fly By Night, tune, uh, Making Memories is this, like, acoustic, uh, up-tempo rock kind of one. Rivendell is a soothing acoustic track. And in the end, is this majestic way to close out the record because again, it hits you with that acoustic thing, and then the electrics come back, and it's like a big whoosh yeah. ending. Um, 
but yeah, this you know this record expands on their sound while still having um, that seventies rock roots that they began with. But they're just you can hear that they've doubled down on certain things, but added so much more. Yeah. So that's yeah. Cool. It's a great album. Um, yeah. My my number <laughs> nine. This this one. This was one that I, I guarantee you um, is probably low on most people's lists. But the funny thing is that when I initially was breaking out the albums and like, I feel like this will be my top six and blah, blah, blah. This one was in my top six just because I love it so much. But I, but I had that, that problem with going through and listening to all the albums and going, oh, fuck. Okay, relate... Relatively speaking, it's not as good. Okay, I'll put it at number nine. But I love this album. My number nine is Roll the Bones from uh, 1991. Hey. I love this album. Um, yeah, it's just a fucking solid, great album. I mean, from soon the beginning of Dreamline on, it's just fabulous. Um, it's their 14th album. And uh, we talked about this before where it's like 1991, but it still sounds very very uh 80s to me um and it and and you know it it does do the thing like i was referring to in the last episode the middle of the road rush thing there's a lot of that here sure but the songwriting is so good on every song that it doesn't really matter like the standout moments aren't necessarily riffs or complicated you know epic parts it's just really catchy well-written songs and um and to me it's a big step up from presto and with presto obviously they were like okay well now we gotta transition let's we're transitioning out of the 80s era and and to me roll the bones is uh closing the the book on that era of rush with an absolute classic i think it's it's great it's a great little last moment of uh coming out of the 80s and um yeah i don't know i i really i really love this album we talked about it a lot on the last one i think that that you know i watched i watched it's occasionally i watch our episodes because my number one thing is trying to figure out ways that we could improve and um yeah usually i go nah, we can't how can you improve this um <laughs> but uh, the one thing i was like i was like man we, we were on roll the bones for a long time just talking about all random stuff <laughs> Um, so I won't keep us on there for that long on this one, but I, I, I get it. If roll the bones is not the rush sound you're wanting to go to, that makes sense to me. But if you are into it, this is a killer album. Like that's Hmm. that, that, so that's what ends up making it so strong for me is it as an album on its own, it's really, really good. And then all the rest of the rush albums like i said before it's just ma- it makes it it makes it to where i had to put a personal favorite at number 9 realizing that most of these albums are personal favorites and so <laughs> i think i just i think i just give this one a lot more love because i don't i think it's underappreciated yeah i i agree it's just yeah. it's the same Even though- it's the same thing to bring us back around to metallica it's the same reason why if you would ask me like what's the metallica album you've listened to the most over the past couple of years i would say saint anger because i really enjoy it but at the same time like i'm like this is this gets so much unnecessary hate i almost want to like 
I know nobody knows I'm listening to it, but I'm just like it's it's out in the air. Like you know, maybe maybe some, something will will hit the cosmos and come back down with some good vibes towards some underappreciated albums. But I don't know. <laughs> but Roll the Bones is one of those. Cool. So is that your? Uh, That's my number we'll nine. Say number number nine. Cool. So my number eight is. Dun 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 dun. Dun, dun, oh dun, wow! Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah, I fucking love, I love this That's, album. That like, synth sound at the very beginning is so good, and I don't. Yeah, and I know it's supposed. Okay, it's yeah, it's eighties, whatever. I still hear it today and go, that sounds so cool. Yeah, like if I had found yeah. that sound, I'd be like, I'm writing a whole goddamn album with this sound. <laughs> There's. It's a great way to, to hype up an album. They couldn't have picked a better way to open this record, dude. That song. Oh, like, but yeah. By the way, the album is Signals. Signals, yeah. And it opens with Subdivisions, which is the song I am poorly <laughs> replicating it's, it's with a, my mouth sounds. It's a fantastic song. But uh, yeah, it's it's a real majestic and but it it it's also a very relatable track for anybody who's ever had like you know trouble fitting in anywhere you know yep, it's absolutely you know, I I myself can attest to that be you cool know, me, or be cast out you know yeah I mean you know in in high school dweeb had like <laughs> three people that fucking liked me and now I could probably damn. I could probably I could probably beat some of you in a fight. I didn't. So. You know what? I, no, I, I, you know what? All of a sudden, Crankton Rank became the gun show. I don't know. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> listeners, um, Eddie Sparks is, is flexing his, his man muscles. Shredded. Um, he's, uh, <laughs> they call me Shreddy Eddie. <laughs> he's working his way towards his ultimate goal to look like Stallone from the 80s. And this is gonna this is gonna come into it because this is a good little segue because right. I'm getting there. Um, yeah, you get the Analog Kid, which is another awesome song. Yeah, love the crazy wiggly 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 band. Wiggly 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 like that riff is so creative and so weird, but it kicks ass. Yeah. Uh, and then you get chemistry. That this makes me want to climb a mountain and fight Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Like at the time at the time of writing this, I'm very excited to hear the rest of their 80s catalog. Yeah. I was I was not disappointed because <laughs> it delivered on exactly what I wanted. Yeah. But like oh, the keys dude. on that are, are also epic. The yeah. like it's very like it's big. Yeah. It's a big fucking keyboard. <laughs> oh, um, di- digital man, uh, very. Uh, now, I, w- I want to state this for the record, as I am a huge fan of of the thing I'm about to say, but I know some uh, fans of this band I know would probably turn their nose up on what I'm about to say. Very Cora era Stone Temple Pilot guitar parts on this one okay and i'm yeah. very much i'm very much into that like i love yeah. those chorusy clean guitars uh another chef's kiss for uh eddie's book of compositional stuff um, <laughs> coming soon from <laughs> <laughs> oh 
the the weapon very new wave synthage on this one like Geddy Lee even has an almost Duran Duran vocal sound on it like this would have been you know early 80s everyone sings like, like, 80, like, 80, 80, like 82 is like that's Duran Duran Central right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like exactly they're one of the biggest yeah. groups at that point oh, man like New World Man, big driving, vibey, chimey track. Losing It feels like a sci-fi folk song. Really cool stuff. And Countdown, fuck yeah. Big ass epic montage synth blended with Rush's majestic sound. This album is an album that I went into expecting good and got great. Yeah. And I love when that happens, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I, I yeah. Si- I agree. Signals. I agree Kicks with ass. everything you said. And um, take your shots, everybody. This is our first matchup of this episode. My number eight is also Signals from nineteen eighty two. Their ninth album. I don't have anything to add, really. Like fucking Subdivision is, is uh, probably in my top ten uh, Rush songs. Um, mm-hmm. The. It, it is one of those songs that immediately makes me feel better. Like no matter what's going on, once the keys yeah. kick in with that main keyboard riff thing, I don't know what it is about it, but it really does. It does something for me. Um, but yeah, obviously this is where the keyboard started to become a lot more prominent. Um, and um, to me, this is the beginning of the second era of Rush, this album. Because obviously they kind of got a little more to the point with some of their songs with the previous two albums, but I almost feel like that was just kind of the tail of of their their journey through the seventies and out of the seventies. But I think that they they finally got to that point where they're like, "All right, we're we're in the in this in the present of the eighties now." Um, and it and yeah, it sounds it sounds eighties, but man, there's every song's fucking great. Um, it is more concise than any album that they had done. I mean, I guess since fly by night, but even fly by night had one proggy type song on it. Um, mm. But it's just amazing songwriting and, and ideas. And this is one that I, when I was younger, I always felt like this was one that people hated on, but that seems to have gone away. I feel like this one gets a lot more respect now. And um, yeah. that's good because it's a great album. I I have to admit though, probably my least favorite Rush album cover, because it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's fine, but it's like for some reason, like every other album, I like what they went for a lot more than this one, and I don't know why. Um, I don't know, but it's it it is what it is. <laughs> it's been the cover of the album for uh, forever now. So, um, so I end it ends up going at number eight, just because of the fact that. I guess I guess the the latter half of the album is slightly less awesome. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to figure <laughs> it out. Um, but it felt right that um, that I, there's something that happens with with '80s Rush, where you know they solidify that this is where they're going, but the album after this, which we'll talk about later something happens to where like 
everything just gets cool as fuck <laughs> for an album. <laughs> and um, um, and so this one, I went, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this. This lands at number eight, and I feel good because it's in the top ten. But you know, there's they they did so much better than this, which is crazy that that this album is that good, and they did better than that. Um, but uh, yeah, that that uh, that's that's also my number eight, um, which brings us to the last album of the second part of the Rush trilogy. I feel like we've yeah. been really on, we've been really focused for the most part in this episode, and um, yeah, that could be disappointing to some of you and also a relief to others of you. <laughs> but um, but yeah, n- number seven. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, dive on in. Bam. Um, so my n- number seven is hemispheres. Oh man, what did you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I I I love I love this. Like I'd like stay. I'd I stop love... for a second to make sure. Did he just say hemispheres? Uh, <laughs> okay. I I yeah. That let's let's talk about it. Uh. Here's a little thing I put. Prog rock bands be like, I'm going to put out an EP, but it's going to be like the length of an LP because there's only technically four tracks on, on this album. Yeah. But like Cygnus X1 book two, Hemispheres, like they opened this record continuing right where the last one closed. Yeah. And they did it with a 20 minute epic. <laughs> so, you know, and you know, it's it's fucking awesome uh-huh. uh circumstances this song is tasty there's some turnarounds in there that are just pure unfiltered awesome the trees like god damn dude this is like mega prog territory yeah. like and there's also a mad vibey chorus bit which is ace and then finally you get la villa strangiato mm-hmm. which is this big old track this one is almost 10 minutes in length. And th- this one's got a little sassy little reference in it to uh, Powerhouse by Raymond Scott, which I recognized via watching a shit ton of Looney Tunes. Yeah. After I yeah. I, I, re- I recently bought in the last few months the, the, golden, the complete Looney Tunes golden collection box set. And I've just been gradually working my way through and the amount of times you hear that like usually in a factory or, or some sort of you know building site or or something something kind of slapstick but they do it like at a breakneck speed where it's like oh love it but um again it's it's one of their it's one of their stranger track listings, but I feel like this one, I think this one does right what, um, uh, caress of steel maybe didn't do right. I, I feel like they made a, they made a good decision here with like opening with a long one and closing out with a long one. Yeah. Rather, rather than having, you know, circumstances, the trees, and then, Cygnus <laughs> one, yeah, and then La Villa Strangiato, you know, because like relative time speaking, like you could fit like <laughs> you could fit like five songs <laughs> into 
the first half of this album alone. Yeah, but yeah, and the, and the thing it's totally worth it. And, you know, and it, it's funny because I, I keep I keep feeling like I want to speak to people who don't really listen to Rush, because you're talking about you know four songs. One of them is broken up and you have sections, but like mm-hmm. it's not like modern day prog where oh this song is 14 minutes long seven minutes of it is the intro which is this <laughs> and some sprinklings of some things and and then finally the song starts and it's really only a three minute song with an outro like that's you know bullshit like like rush have their moments where they do hmm. you know have that proggy territory where things just get a little bit smooth for a minute um but they I mean, that's like, that's an album that's packed full of great shit. So much so that sometimes I, I, I love that album, but I'll look like at the track listing and go, oh, that, that's all? That's it? <laughs> that's all that's on there? Because <laughs> it doesn't feel that way when you listen to it. It's got so much nah. going on. And that's the mark of a fucking great band, in my opinion, that if you can, if yeah. you can have an album that, you know, track listing wise just has a few tracks on it but yet it gives you like so much you know in what they do then you know not a lot of people can do that because a lot of people do what i referred to earlier where there's a whole lot of fudging around um and not really actually playing a song so um <laughs> like there's fuck there's a god god damn it what's the name of that band i think it's blood incantation a fucking uh hip, hipster <laughs> death metal band just put out an album of all uh, moody keyboard stuff, not even songs. It's an entire album of like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's the most band with the he- their heads up their asses album I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> and I know that like the hipsters were like, oh, it's an interesting choice that they made. This is really fascinating. You know, they've, they've, they've toyed around with some electronic things before now it's come full circle to where there's uh, shut the, shut the fuck up that it's 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 lazy <laughs> because you see like the pictures of the band it's like five dudes and they're all like death metal and i'm like one dude played on that like there's no, there's no band <laughs> it's just it's dumb like it should like if it, it like here's the only reason why that how that album would, would be okay is if they send it to everybody for free <laughs> like like, ma- like the fucking vinyl like if you're gonna press a vinyl it just gets mailed whoever previously bought your album they get it for free because you put you just get fucking you tuned to you physically like yeah. oh you have this album now you know it's just like. gonna be like that u2 album where it just shows up on everybody's iphone and everybody's fucking pissed off that's what's gonna happen but anyway that's <laughs> I, what i'm talking I about remember that happened that's what that's what i'm talking about where like the idea of something becomes way more important than what actually is on the album. And, and yeah, and if I, 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 you know, that people are, I haven't, I haven't bothered to go look or listen to any reviews of that, but I guarantee you there are people that are all like ready to go. This is fascinating stuff. And I'm just like, it's fucking not. This is where this is where we this is where we find out like one of the few people that actually bought merch is a member of Blood Incantation and we just crushed them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, even before I talked about this album, I called them hipster death metal because that's what they, they fit into that mold of all these bands that are doing this same exact <laughs> fucking sound. 
And it's all derivative and not as well written as the shit that they're fucking ripping off. And so it's just boring. I'm sure they're very nice dudes, but fucking get your own identity. Um, anyway, sorry. Rush does not do that. Rush never just fucking sticks their head so far up their ass that you can't hear a fucking song. Um, so that's why they're great. Um, and, uh, all right, fine. Let's move on to my number seven. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to get a tangent in there somewhere just so, you know, people get their money's worth for this free podcast, but, um, yeah, (laughs) don't worry. We're going to be pressing it on vinyl and uh, everyone can buy it for $40. (laughs) Just this episode. Is this going to be? It's a, a totally out of context. The other parts will not be released on vinyl. Just this one. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, okay, let's let's just let's get this shit over with. My number seven. Uh, th- this one I also will put in the category of oh, this will easily be in my top six, and it makes it to number seven. Um, that shows you how <laughs> difficult this. Uh, this uh, ranking was my uh, number seven is Grace Under Pressure from 1984. Oof. Good it's one. A fucking fantastic album. It's their tenth album, following Signals, so they're they're getting into the the 80s here. But the weird thing here, so the only thing that I could say that's even a negative at all is that I wish the production had a little bit more weight to it. It's a little bit thin. But I don't mm-hmm. care because the only reason that ever sticks out is when you're doing things like this, when you're listening to albums like back to back and stuff. But you put this album on its own yeah. and I've never thought that before. But in this context, I'm like, all right, maybe the production could have been a bit beefier. But like every song on here is fucking killer. And the thing that I love about Grace Under Pressure is that it's sure it's in this the 80s rush era where a lot of people, their, their their brain immediately goes to keyboards. But the thing, and there are keyboards on this album, but the thing that's so interesting to me about this album is that so many parts of it have this really interesting sort of rhythmic quality that almost makes it yeah. seem like a post-punk album. Like, yes. And, and that to me... Red Sector A. There's just so many like, little parts where I go... This literally could have been one of those, you know, suit and tie wearing bands from England, you know, with their jangly guitars and stuff, you know. Are we the only human (laughs) beings left alive? Yeah. That would be fucking sick. But it's, but all the songs are so fucking good. And there's just such an interesting energy to this where it almost, it almost is like, it's such a unique Rush album. Like just the overall vibe of it is so cool. And, um, you know, I put this one up there with like Roll the Bones as albums that as an album that like I don't hear enough people praise how fucking cool this album is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I it's just a it's 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 easily a go to Rush album for me just because it's it is one of those. I just see the cover and go, oh, fuck, I just got to listen to this one. Um, but uh, eventually, like. You know, now that we're here at the end of this first, the second episode, and there are albums that are the classic go-to Rush albums that obviously are in our top six. But when you yeah. really go through and listen to them, like sure, a lot, some of those songs, a handful of those songs are, especially on you know in America. I don't know about it in England, but they're very overplayed on rock radio, like all yeah. the time. 
But you take that aspect away and you comparing these albums, the ones that seem to have the biggest spotlight shown on them when it comes to Rush, like they deserve it. Like they're that fucking yeah. good. Sometimes I'll never get bored of Tom Sawyer. Yeah, and so ever. so so like sometimes classic albums become classics just because some fancy journalists were just like, you know, this is one of the best things ever made. And then people go, oh, it is. But then there are some that are classic albums that actually have substance and along mm. with that, an entertaining quality all behind them. And so albums that I was like, oh, it's so it's so kind of normal and, 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 and basic to put this album in the top six. They, very quickly, I went, fuck that. That's not that's not at all the case and so that's why grace under pressure an album that i love ends up at number seven because i'm just like well it has it has to top it it, it, you know one of the episodes so it's topping episode two but rush just made so many fantastic albums and you know they were they were lucky enough to be a band where they were able to evolve the way that they evolved and then they developed a loyal audience and um, that's fantastic to me, but grace under pressure is lit. Like don't, what do they say? The kids say, don't sleep on this album. Um, yeah. Cause it would be uncomfortable. Cause it's, you know, it's, there's no, there's no cushioning or pillows or anything. So, but um, <laughs> probably but, damaged the album too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but grace under pressure is like, yeah, it's uh, it clearly it's, it's, you know, uh, when it comes to this era of rush, it's my favorite. Um. Yeah, it's just I I could go on about it because it's just the the vibe of it is so fucking cool. But uh, but yeah, it, it it ends up being my number seven. Um, you haven't even talked about that album yet, so that's clearly in your top six. So that's that's nice. Um, yeah. But I mean, obviously, we're gonna have some some sameness in the next episode, which is uh, um, yeah. But. To be well, to be fair, yeah. you already talked about uh, uh, farewell to kings and hemispheres. <laughs> so, um, my 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 uh, list was laid out in a way to give each era its fair shot oh. at, at having a at having a best album. So I've I managed to split the the discography up into not three but six distinct sections yeah. where it's like first three seventies albums have a hard rock vibe. Uh, the second three seventies albums were very conceptual. Uh, the first three eighties albums, they strip back a little bit. They write songs. Yeah. Synths come in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the synth albums. Then you've got the transition into the nineties albums. And then you've got, like basically modern day after um you know vapor trials yeah but yeah no not vapor trials um test for echo i always get these fuckers mixed up oh yeah yeah um yeah i mean i've got one from at least five of the six uh yeah yeah five of the six uh eras in there yeah and I don't, four. I, I, and I, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, so clearly next episode, we're going to be talking about albums that people have talked about ad nauseum, if that's the term. Um, but we're going to do it in our own special way where we have weird tangents where 
who knows what the fuck we're going to be talking about, how to make a casserole <laughs> or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's a, that wraps up uh, the second part of, uh, of the uh, Rush trilogy. And um, I was like, every time I think about trilogies and second parts of trilogies, I immediately think of Empire Strikes Back. And I'm like, oh, we should like end this on like a downer. Like something bad should happen. I, I'm going to cut off your hand and then... <laughs> And then tell you I'm your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then next next episode we're gonna have some fucking walking tiny bears walking around. <laughs> I feel like I just went through like a portal and I went to like a parallel world where the English language exists, but like it's completely different. So, like, all the words have different meanings. I, I refuse to talk about Star Wars in the correct terms. Because I, I, yeah. I love those first three movies. And I loved them my whole life. But now I'm on the other end where I'm, I'm going to say things like laser swords and, yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> Tide fighters. But, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah anyway that's 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 uh that's the end of this episode uh peanut butter platypus to uh to those of you who stuck around um and the one thing that i love is that the the, the last rush episode you know i got one of those comments that i just love getting where somebody says not even a fan of this band really loved this episode and that is awesome <clears throat> Because like that is I feel like that's the thing is is you know there's a lot of podcasts out there that are so focused in on one thing, like like you you listen to some yeah. of those ones that's just about Faith No More, one that's just about Metallica, or there's probably one several that are just about Rush, but the fact that like we tackle all this different shit, it makes me happy that we're not just fumbling bumbling fools that that just bore everybody to tears i mean i'm sure we bore some people to tears but i mean um it just makes me feel better about like oh we've you know we've got a good thing going here because we talk about all these different things and we bring the same kind of enjoyment to uh to groups that we're super jazzed about some that we don't know quite as well or one of us doesn't know quite as well um, so it's, it's cool to get those kind of comments. That being said, com- leave your comments if you're watching this on YouTube. And, um, if you're listening to this, like as a podcast, go to your, I don't know where you leave reviews and stuff on podcasts. I know you can do that on Apple podcasts, but go leave some, you know, go rate us and review us. And, um, maybe eventually we'll gain more traction in the algorithm and maybe one day, Somebody will come to us and say, "Hey, would you like to advertise for um, dishwashing Adam and Eve liquid <laughs> or Adam and Adam and Eve? Is that is that, is that like a, a sex toy thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be so. That would be cool because then we could like try them out and then like on an episode be like, did you <laughs> did you try out this new thing? Let's let's do our section where we talk about the new sex toy." Um, <laughs> Allow me to demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> that's when that's when cranked and wanked um, would fit in. There it is. Yeah, there it is. Anyway, okay, all right. And on that <laughs> note, let's get the fuck out of here. Thank you very much for watching this episode of Cranked and Ranked. We'll be back next week with the exciting conclusion of the Rush trilogy. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to Eddie Sparks or Mariah Carey to take us out. 
Steven and Eddie. I'm doing a boy tour in the snow dog. <laughs> uh, like, later, later, dude. I can't, I can't fucking do Getty Lee, man. You sound more He's, like, uh, more like King Diamond than you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Later, later, dude.